0: Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to the Gospel of Matthew. We're turning to the Gospel of Matthew, please, in the chapter 27. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, the verse 45. We're returning to our little series, Crosswords. And we're going to be considering the title, Why hast thou perceived me? It's the, cry, the fourth cry of the cross of Calvary, my God. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Gospel of Matthew, please, in the chapter twenty-seven, we'll read from the verse 25, and it takes us straight back to the scene of the cross. And this is the word of the Lord. And It reads now from the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying. Eli Eli sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him the drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. (coughs) Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks went. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earth making those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of this word to each of our hearts. We're returning this evening to our little series, Crosswords, we haven't been here, For a few Sunday evenings, each Sunday evening, as we've had opportunity, we've been visiting the scene of the cross of Calvary, and we've been listening to the man in the middle cross as he cries his dying words. And the Lord Jesus cried seven sayings at the cross of Calvary, and he gave three between 9am and noon. We mentioned that last evening that we visited this series. And then he gave four between noon and three in the afternoon. And of the seven saints on the cross, the first three, which we've considered already, which were before noon, they have nothing to do with his own suffering. Nothing at all. No one ever suffered like the Lord Jesus had suffered in that day. The physical suffering would have been the same as other criminals who had suffered when dying from crucifixion, but the spiritual suffering, as the wrath of God against sin was poured in him, it was immeasurable. No one has ever suffered like the Lord Jesus Christ suffered that day in Calvary. And for three hours he didn't say a word about his suffering, not a word uttered about his pain. He cared for the others around him for those first few hours. So far in Sunday evenings we thought of those first three cries. Of course the first cry from the cross was, Father, forget them, for they know not what they do the King of Glory cries for forgiveness for the ones who kneeled him to the tree. And yet the world had given him no golden crown instead of a crown of thorns. And the world, they had a jeering cry for him instead of a coronation, the King of Kings. Instead he gets a cheering wall and spitting and swearing soldiers and deceitful leaders and yet the Saviour from the cross firstly cried, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Then, of course, there was the second saying that we considered when the Savior spoke to the repentant dying thief beside him, and he said to that thief, Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. There was a man on his way to a lost eternity, but in his dying moments he realized his need of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only one who could save him for all eternity, and that day the Lord saved him. And he was in heaven with the Saviour. And of course, the last time we visited our series, we heard the Saviour speak to his mother and his disciple, John, and he said to, he said to them, Woman, behold thy son. And the Saviour said to John, Behold thy mother. So the only thing that broke the Saviour's silence in those first three hours were those three statements. Each of them a statement of greatness. Grace to offer forgiveness to his executors. Grace offered to a thief dying on the cross beside him. And grace offered to his mother and his disciple John. Only words of grace broke the silence of those first three hours. But let's step into the scene outside the wall of Jerusalem again this evening that we read in Scripture. It's Friday morning in Jerusalem. Another what? April's day. Death is in the air. The word is spread to every corner of the city. The Romans plan to crucify somebody today. And just outside the Damascus gate is a place called Skull Hill. And the Romans like it because the hill is beside the main road and plenty can come out and watch this crucifixion. This day it seems like any other, but it's not. Because a man called Jesus Christ is going to be crucified. And the word it spreads like wildfire. His reputation has preceded him. No one is neutral. Some believe that he is the son of God. Many doubt, a few here. The man on the middle cross has already been severely beaten. His skin hangs from his back in tatters. His face is bruised and swollen, his eyes are nearly shut, blood trickles out of a dozen open wounds. He's an awful sick to look at. So we come to this passage this evening, I want you to note the darkness of that day. The darkness of that day. You see at noon it happened, we enter into the afternoon in verse 45 that we read together this evening. It tells us this. It says, now from the 6th hour, that's ah, the afternoon, 12 noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Now after 3 hours of this supernatural darkness, suddenly Christ cries and he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. The words are Arama, Aramaic. Aramaic the common language of the day. And the words form the question that was heard across Skull Hill and drifts across the road to the many nearless men. And he said, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Let me tell you this, that no man, not even the best preacher in this world, will ever be able to fully explain the extent of this crime. You see, here we're at the very heart of the cross. The Lord has now been hanging in the cross for three hours and the darkness falls. And this is a supernatural darkness. The Lord is now He's been there, and there's no sandstorm and there's no eclipse at noon. When the sun was meant to be at its brightest in the middle of the day, darkness fell. And the darkness that fell on that day, it's a picture of the darkness and wickedness of the fearful crying. And there in the midst of the darkness, something was happening that the redeemed will never fully understand. <coughs> For in the darkness, the wrath of God there Every sin, every evil thought, every wrongful deed that has ever been done and ever will be done, the punishment of it fell on the Lord Jesus Christ. For three hours, the Lord Jesus had already endured the mockery of men. For three hours, he had suffered at the hands of men, and now he was suffering at the hands of God the Father. You see, we sang at this moment already, this evening a few times, we sang, how great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away, <laughs> as wounds which mourn the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Burying hands in the midst of the darkness, forsaken by God the Father, without a smile, without a drop of comfort, and the agonies of hail going over him, taking the place of the guilty lost sinner, enduring the judgment that was for me. And the darkness speaks of this spiritual darkness. In those three hours, the Lord Jesus, he was taking the punishment for your sin. Did you know that? He was taking the punishment for your sin. I wonder, do you realize that, dear friend? It should have been you in his place. It should have been me. And for those who have placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's why we can speak of no condemnation and no wrath to face. But there are those who are here this evening and you haven't taken that step of faith. And you could one day face the wrath of God. You don't prepare yourself for eternity. You see, God's salvation is light. The Lord Jesus Himself said, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And God's judgment, God's judgment is darkness. In 2 Peter 2, verse 4, we read these words, For God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to the pet of darkness, reserved for judgment. Darkness speaks of judgment. You see, sin must be punished. Your sin must be punished. And this supernatural darkness that fell on the worst day of the history of this world shows us that God's wrath and judgment was operating in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is saying by the darkness of the cross that it was a day of divine judgment. And the divine judgment was falling on the very person in the center cross. And let's make it very simple. God only judges one thing. And that's sin. And so this divine wrath is unleashed against sin. It's as simple as that. This judgment is unleashed against sin. And what makes this situation so unique is that the man in the middle cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was sinless. He didn't deserve to be there. He had no place there. And the one who flung stars into space, the power of the Word of God, was there with his hands kneeled to the cross. And his feet pierced. And he was there for you. The Lord Jesus, the precious Lamb of glory. He was spotless. He didn't deserve to be there. The only reason he was there is because he loves you. He loves you. He wants to save you from the guilt of your sin. And he wants to save you from eternal punishment in hell. But you must keep that step of fear. The punishment for your sin was laid upon the Savior. The darkness of that day, the judgment, the wrath of God. But I don't want you just to know the darkness of that day. I want you to see the crying that day. For in verse 46 we read the words already. It says, In about the ninth hour, three hours of darkness, then says Jesus cried with a light voice, saying, Eli, Eli. Lama said back my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was another act of God. First he made the earth door. And second he separates himself from the Son of God. This happened in the ninth hour, at the end of the darkness. As the darkness ended, the judgment and the fury of God is almost spent. But the horror of the experience was not just the wrath of, and judgment of God, but it was the absence of God. And see Christ, the your cries with a loud voice. Actually, the word means in Scripture, and he screamed. Six hours of agony, three hours of darkness, and he was bearing the fury of God against all the sins that you and I ever committed in the darkest hour of history, he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This was a lonely cry. You know, loneliness is a common problem with every human being in this world. We talk about loneliness of the elderly, that loneliness of singles. And loneliness is some of the baddies that, that came with sin when it entered the world. There's no lonelier place to be than to have, have a human heart without Christ. And that is what sin brought into this world. And on the cross, Christ experienced the loneliness because of my sin and because of yours. You see, the Lord Jesus, he gradually moved into loneliness in his final hours on this earth. He was with the twelve disciples in the upper room. And then Judas left, and only eleven were with him. And then he took the eleven to the garden of Gethsemane, and three entered into the garden with him, and they went to sleep. Then Peter followed at the distance to the courtyard where he denied him, and then all forsook him and fled. He was left alone, men forsook him, but his father was with him, for in John 16, verse 32, it says, he, the Lord Jesus says, Behold, the hour cometh, yes, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the father is with me, but at the cross. The Father turned his face from him and forsook him. The Lord Jesus, he tread the winepress alone. He was, he was not separated from the nature of the Father, but he was separated from fellowship with the Father. You see, God had to separate himself. He had to forsake for his fellowship with Christ because God is holy. And the, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was carrying the sin of the world up to the cross and, And he was separated for a brief time from the Father. Do you want to know what separation from God is? It's hell. And just as hell for the sinner is eternal separation from God forever, the Lord Jesus was experiencing a separation and fellowship from the Father. And the Lord Jesus, as he cries out, he longs to that fellowship to be restored. The point of separation is to prove that Jesus was bearing our sin. God would never have been separated from him if he hadn't borne our guilt. The separation proves that our sins were placed in Him. Even as He bears the curse of his, for His people, He longs for at the end and the fellowship to be restored with the Father. You know, Christ, He went through a hell experience so that you and I don't have to. You see, if you aren't trusting Christ tonight, hell is exactly where you're headed. During His time on earth, the Lord Jesus spoke of hell more than they ever did him in heaven. And I believe, in the, I believe the reason why he did this was to try and get home the immediate danger that you're in if you reject this great salvation. Most people, certainly most people in the Western world, who have had any exposure to Christianity whatsoever, they think they're going to heaven. In fact, many who sit in church pews, who give money to the church and, or live a good life, uh, believe that they're going to heaven. And when you think about it, I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure that hell is mostly populated with people who are surprised to be there. When people are asked the question, are you going to heaven? The answer normally is, well, I'm a good person. I'm a religious person. I believe in God. I, I believe in Jesus. I- I'm going to heaven. I haven't done anything that bad. God certainly wouldn't send me to hell. <coughs> hell is full of surprised people. Dear friend, I wonder if you prepared for eternity. Because here was eternal separation from God. Dear friend, Christ experienced that separation from God greatly. But if you were die in your sin, you'll experience it, eternally. So you have to take that step of the faith. God's word says That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in my heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be seen." You see, the wrath of God was poured upon the sinless one, the wrath that be deserved, and the fellowship between God and the Savior was broken there in Calvary because of my sin and yours. But as we think of the darkness of that day, and as we think of the cry of that day, you see, what is required here is your response to that day. You know, there were people at the scene of the cross, now, as all this happened, they simply continued to mock. In verse 47, we read that some of them that stood there, when they had heard that, they said, this man calls for a loutier. Now those men that were crying that, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were mocking. For as Christ hung there, and during the torment of separation, the mockery had continued. The offering of vinegar to Christ may have been an act of mercy from one, but the rest used that as a, gent- a gesture to carry on their, mer- their mockery. And the Lord went even further and here it's, they, they shouted and they said, let us see whether Elijah comes to take him down. And they were saying all these things and mocking. Amazing is it not that at midday darkness had fallen and it didn't alarm them. It didn't shock them, and they just continued mocking, and they continued their hatred for the Savior. I wonder, is that what you're doing? wonder, if Christ offers you his salvation? Are he's still saying, I'll, have not, I'll not have this man to read for me? I want not my own life. I'm happy the way I am. My life's good. I don't need Christ. I don't need someone to read over me. I don't need him to tell me what to do. Dear friend, you're making a big mistake. Because only truth joy is found in meeting Christ. King of your life. Stop searching in all the wrong places. Come to Christ. He's the only one that can satisfy. There some people who stood by. They, they genuinely thought that Christ was crying for Elijah to, to come to his Eve. And they certainly didn't recognize him as the Son of God, they were confused. There were some at the cross, they were confused. They didn't know what was going on. And dear friend, don't be confused by the message of the cross. Don't complicate the Gospel. You see, the Bible says, unless a man be born again, that just means, has a fresh start with Christ as Savior, he will not see the kingdom of God. Don't be confused about the message of the cross, it's very simple. Are you setting your own terms regarding God's salvation? Do you realize that the work of the cross is finished and all you have to do is rest in that finished work? Christ was forsaken for a season that you might enjoy God's presence forever. He entered into the darkness, that you might walk in the light. He drank the cup of woe, that you might have the cup of joy. He was forsaken so that you might be forgiven. He endured the pains of hell, so that you might enjoy the pleasures of heaven. He went through exhalation, so that you can have jubilation. You might recognize Christ as your substitute and receive him as your savior You'll never have to say if you do know why hast thou forsaken me, Because for the child of God, he'll never forsake. He'll always be with you. He'll stand before you in time, and he'll stand before you in eternity. Because the child of God's will be clean as the Lord Jesus Christ, as their righteousness. And this evening we visit again in this dark place in all of history, and this mysterious place, and this central place of love, and the only place of salvation. But as you stand under the shadow of Calvary this evening, and as we listen to the Savior's fourth cry, Forsaken! Forsaken! He says, Why has thou forsaken me? It's the cry, the final cry of every lost soul. And if you are to die without Christ, that will be your final cry, Forsaken! And you'll eternally live in that place of separation. No more opportunities. And here you are the same thing. And if your mind's eye, you can visit the scene of Calvary again. Has God not been merciful to you? Has God not been patient with you? But soon the day of grace will be over. And the door will be shut and your hope will be gone and there will be death and judgment. Have you not tired to know Why are you risking a lost eternity? Why will you not come to Christ? Out of Christ without a Savior. Oh, can it, can it be? Like a ship without a rudder on a wild and stormy sea. Oh, to be without a Savior. With no hope or refuge. now, can it be? Oh, blessed Savior, one without thee dare to die. Christ has already borne your wrath, he's paid for your sin and he says to you now, come now, for all things are now ready. Don't reject his salvation any longer. It once a bridge, that spanned over a large river, during most of the day the bridge was drawn to allow ships to pass through. But at certain times of each day, a train would come along and the bridge would come down, allowing the train to cross over it. There was a switchman that sat in a leash shack and it was just by the side of the river and that's where he operated the controls for the bridge. And he would have allowed the bridge to lower and allowed the train to cross. And so one day, the switchman, he brought his son to work with him and everything was operating as usual. But as the tree made its final approach to cross the bridge on this particular day, the father, he meant to pull the lever when he heard a cry from down in the big coals. And as he looked down, there was his son, and his little son was trapped in the coals. And he had a decision to make. Either many people in the tree lost their lives, or his son had to die. He took but a moment to make the decision, the train sped swiftly on its way across the bridge, and no one on board that train was aware of the tiny broken body that had been crushed to save their lives. The people in the train, unaware of a sobbing man, still clinging to the labor long after the train had passed. Now, if you comprehend and understand the emotions that that man would have felt, you'll understand the feelings of God the Father in heaven when he sacrificed his son to bridge the gap between you and eternity with him. And he did this because they loves you. Dear friends tonight, the Lord Jesus is here this evening by your spirit, and God is present in this place, and He offers you the gift of eternal life because He loves you. Gave Himself for you. I wonder if the spirit of God working in your life again? Can I you new sin? Don't resist. Repent of your sin, even now, where you are and enjoy the love that God offers you for it so freely. Because as we visit the cross again this evening, I'm reminded of that very famous verse, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well.